The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Hour two here on the Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon. Hope you're getting out of work, getting done with the getting done with the day. One more day to conquer on Friday to get out of it. We got one more hour here on a Thursday afternoon. We'll get into a little Texas football talk, a little uh, NFL talk as well. Talking a little Texans today. We talked a lot about the Cowboys. I thought I'd give Cowboys fans a break. We're talking about the Cowboys and having to, you know, deal with deal with somebody who sometimes isn't nice about them, but I, you know, well, we'll talk about the Texans today. How about that? We'll talk about the other Texas team. We'll get back to the Cowboys here in the next uh, tomorrow or the next day, and at some point soon, we'll talk about the same issue we're going to talk about with the, the Texans today. We'll get to that. Uh, big fat poll of the day. We talked some uh, Texas basketball earlier. We told you they have seven games remaining in their schedule. Four on the road. Houston, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Baylor all hard Big games. They've combined lost two home games so far this season. One of those had to go to triple overtime uh, to happen, so it's going to be a tough road on the road. And three winnable games at home. Uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. Uh, Those are three games at home. All of those are winnable. But seven games left. How many teams do you think Texas will win? Uh, That is a big fat poll today. How many will they win out of that seven, the seven left in the regular season? How many will they win? That is that question there. I do want to talk uh, a little Texas bas- uh, Texas football news with you, too, or stories around Texas football that I'm going to ask you some questions about those, too, because I want to talk with you about these. Because I saw the first one is that we saw CDC did his town hall meeting, and one of the things he said in it I kind of took is, okay, and I've seen more and more people that are not necessarily Texas fans comment on this than I've seen Texas fans comment on it. And so I wanted to ask you guys, as some of you are Texas fans, some of you are not, Uh, about the Texas OU, the Red River rivalry, and uh, about the matchup that CDC said at his, uh, at the uh, lunch or the, whatever the state of the union that CDC gave, uh, that he would like to move that game to two 30. And it's been a conversation before about, could you do it at night? And then that's never really going to happen. And that, you know, I don't think at the cotton bowl night game would really work. I know he wants to do more night games. CDC does because it's just, they're more, you know, the games, especially here at uh, DKR, are just a little bit better when they're at night. Uh, they just feel, you know, they feel bigger at a night game. Uh, but that, that the Red River rivalry at two thirty, I want to know what you guys feel about that. I I, I kind of prefer two thirty as well, but just because I think if you're trying to watch it, get together and watch it. If you're trying to make it a bigger event, that eleven o'clock is a fun game to watch, but it doesn't feel like the big game of the day. And so, you know, not moving it to the 5 or 6 or 7 o'clock game, but putting in that 2.30 slot, I just feel makes the game feel bigger because it feels like it's in a slot of bigger games. And I know it's always been the 11 o'clock game. I know there's reasons that they want to keep it at 11 because they don't want people to get drunker and get into fights that are already happening. They want to clear it out and have the state fair have their evening. And when you push it a little bit further back, then that kind of cuts into the state fair at night. And now you put a lot of drunk, angry fans or drunk, way too happy fans out of the state fair. And so there may be other reasons other than just the game that they want to keep at 11. But then I saw a lot of people that were, you know, not Texas fans, just sports talk, you know, people that talk college football that have said that they, you know, 
they would make sure it never moves off 11, that it is an 11 a.m. game, and that's the magic of it, and they want to see it stay at 11. I'm personally, I don't think there's a magic of it at 11. I'm also not a morning guy, so that might be the reason that I'm like, I don't want to wake up and kind of get going, and then 11, the 11 game feels like what I do before I go out and watch games or what a, you know, the game you watch at 11. And, you know, as Texas fans, we just dealt with years of 11 a.m. games and getting stuck there because you were not the prime games. I'm all for the 2.30, but I want to know what you guys think on the text line. Let us know there. And another question of an article I was reading today uh, about the biggest the biggest additions, the most important additions to Texas football team, or not to Texas, but to top 25 tech, uh, football teams in college football. Uh, there was an article about that today, on e, uh, and I wanted to get your opinion of who you think will be the biggest addition, the most important addition to this Texas football team. They're their answer was Isaiah Bond, which makes sense. You know, you lose Xavier Worthy, you lose Jay Witt, you lose JT Sanders, you lose Adonai Mitchell, that you got to replace that. And so it's a huge addition to put an Isaiah Bond and bring in someone who's really good and a top-level wide receiver talent with Quinn Ewers coming back. I think that makes sense. But I also would say, well, you know, the good news is there is some really good young wide receivers, and we'll see them step up as well. So I think it's a big addition. But I think there's a couple other ones that could be entering in the conversation. So I'll ask you that that too on the text line. Uh, does Trey Moore, with losing to Vondre Sweat and, and Byron Murphy and that D-line not really having the pass rush that you kind of like it to have, can you take Trey Moore and does he become a really big factor in the pass rush now that you are going to have to try and find other ways to pressure the quarterback without having your two big men in the middle that were doing such a good job? Could Trey Moore be a piece of it? What about Andrew Makuba? Could he be the piece and the secondary to be that leader who can play a few more snaps than we were getting with Jalen Catalan who, and because of his injury history? Could he be that leader on the defensive end to help John A. Barron see the field better from his position, to help you know break down and not allow those big over-the-top plays and to not allow uh, teams to make just big play after big play on Texas to slow down some of that impact, to be able to slow down explosive plays on running games as well, is, is Makuba possibly the biggest addition. Let me know on that one as well. I'd love to hear what you have to think. But I was reading that today. They said Isaiah Bond. I can't say that's wrong, but I think there's a couple other guys. And if it's someone I haven't mentioned, that's the biggest addition in. I think Colin Simmons net, you know, down the road could be a huge, huge addition because Colin Simmons is somebody that you see and you think, Man, he could be, you know, a defensive player of the year, and he could be the best pass rusher in the league in a couple of years. Or a Kobe Black could be a shutdown corner in a couple of years. But as freshmen, it seems like it's a little bit harder. But those guys, if you want to say them too, that they're going to have the biggest, most important impact next season, then maybe that's the ones. But I'd like to hear what you have to think about that as well. Let's talk a little NFL, though. Uh, as we'll keep those texts going, we'll get back to the text line in just a minute, 512-447-3776. If you have thoughts on any of that, uh, send that in. I do want to mention a thing I was talking about today and I was looking around, and we'll get to the Cowboys on this as well, uh, but I'm talking to a friend about the Texans and the position that they're in, which is a really great position to have $56 million in cap space, one of the most, uh, some, some of the most cap space for any teams in uh, the NFL this season. But then going back and on that, realizing that some of the reason you have that is because a lot of good players that are on your roster are becoming free agents. So I wanted to go down kind of the list of some of the most important free agents for the Texans that may cut in to this, uh, that $56 million a little bit more than Texans fans are thinking it's going to uh, and knock out a few of those 
options for you on the line. And some of these you may not want to keep. You may want to go gamble and get a get a rookie, or you may want to gamble and say you're going to pick up a, a, a bigger addition in free agency. And so I think when you start, when you talk about players on the Texans that you have to address their free agency and what their cost is going to be, you have to start with Jonathan Grenard. He was a heck of a player. He's 26 years old, one of their youngest free agents. He led the team in sacks with 12 and a half, and you just drafted Will Anderson, but Will Anderson and Grenard on that D-line to bring consistency on the edges where the defensive, uh, the interior D-line wasn't always at its best. The edges were there. He suffered some injuries, has never played a full season. His price feels like it could be a little high for Jonathan Grenard. They're saying that he could, you know, those edge positions and top rushers go pretty big. And uh, the numbers I'll give for this are from PFF. They ranked uh, the top free agents at each position, uh, and they ranked him as the sixth best free agent. So it does mean you have a few more options ahead of him if you want to go try and get him. But, like, are you going to be able to get one of those guys? Are you going to be able to get someone better? Are you going to say, Will Anderson's our guy, and we're going to draft another edge rusher, and we'll let Jonathan Grenard go to try and put some money into some other places? That's a big, big question. I think he's one of the ones that you try and bring in first and see if you can get him with a good deal. His number could be around 20 a season. They would like to get him around 15, I'm sure. Uh, I think he was making around 12 this season, so they would love to get him around 15 a season. And you also at 26 – He's hoping to get that three- or four-year contract and get one more contract, get that one more big contract at about 29. Uh, He would love to be able to pull that one off. Uh, Another guy who led your team in tackles, your linebacker Blake Cashman, had 106 tackles this season in 14 games, led your team in tackles and only played 14 games and was a big piece of leading this defense. Another guy who has been with the team for a little bit, has really helped to transition into the D'Amico Ryan's defense, feels like a commodity you can't leave. He's ranked as the ninth uh, highest linebacker in free agency by PFF, which tells you this is a guy that you really have to go try and bring back. Uh, He's only 27 years old. You feel like you can bring him back and be a part of this team for the Texans going into the future. But again, that's another PC or $56 million that is probably going to be given up to go get a Blake Cashman uh, then you throw to tight end in Dalton Schultz, and he was a great addition for a rookie quarterback. Dalton Schultz became a really big piece of the team this season. Uh, only 27 years uh, old as well there. He is the $12 million a year is what he was making this season. That's where he was got franchise tagged in Dallas, What didn't want to stay there for the amount of money they wanted to pay him. And he falls into that range where he's not a excellent top-tier tight end, but also if you look at PFF, he's the top-ranked tight end free agent. There's just not a lot of top-tier tight ends. So you could go into the draft and look after and see if you can go get a, a big-name tight end or you know see if JT Sanders, you can fall to him and take him high and make him your guy. You do have Brevin Jordan on the roster if you're the Texans, so it does give you an option at the tight end position. You could try and build with a, a tight end a little bit further down. There's a number of tight ends that are pretty decent, uh, and the question is do you think it will stall – C.J. Stroud's growth at all to take away a top tight end. Brevin Jordan did pretty well in some places, but he's not quite a Dalton Schultz and definitely not blocking-wise what Dalton Schultz can do. And when you're talking about protecting C.J. Stroud, that may be a good place where the money goes as well because he blocks real well, he can run routes well, uh, he gets open. Those are the types of things you're looking for in a tight end. Dalton Schultz has all those pieces, uh, not a superstar, but if you can get him for the right price, another piece of that $56 million, that may go down, and he feels at 27 like he would finally like to get some guarantees as he's had some injuries throughout the years that he may want to get a little bit more guaranteed money on his deal. 
Uh, but that's another piece for the Texans that is going to be a difficult piece to see if they want to bring him back. We also have, uh, when we get to a little bit older guys, but guys that are still a big piece of it, your secondary is going to be a big concern of the Texans going into the season. Uh, whether Jalen Petrie, who stepped off a little bit, his production was not as good this year uh, in the secondary. Uh, you know, Jimmy Ward is a good player, but a little bit older. Uh, you don't know if he can stay healthy and play a full season. You feel like you're going to have to get another safety. You're big. You have uh, Stingley, who has played well. He stepped up in his second season, but that's really your one guy, and a lot of the other pieces are kind of rentals around him. Steven Nelson has done well at that other cornerback position, but he's turning 30, and we know that last season before the season, he was posting stuff on social media of a, of a vest jacket that, that Nick Casario is known to be wearing and called him a, a clown and a fool and all this because he wouldn't pay him more money, and he wasn't making a lot of money. He was making about $3 million last year. So I get, as being a starter in the NFL, you'd like to make more than $3 million. So he may be trying to look to cash in right now at 30 years old. He's listed as the sixth best cornerback as a free agent, uh, according to PFF. So if you look at that, he may not be able to be brought back, and the Texans may have to go another route. But I think with he's a guy that you really have to look at. If the price is not you know, exponentially too high, he knows the system. He's played well in a lot of different positions in the secondary for the Texans. And even if you're going to go out and try and draft some guys and bring some guys in new, having somebody who knows the system feels like a must for this Texans team. And then we go to the defensive tackle position. Interior D-line wasn't great. Sheldon Rankins was your guy that was good in that lineup. Uh, he is turning uh, 29. He'll turn 30 before the season. Uh, he still has a cap number. He's a guy who's been renegotiated. So he still has cap numbers. He'd probably like to come back. Uh, he was one of those hired guns that was brought in. Uh, can you bring up his salary to make him okay with staying there? Uh, they've had to renegotiate his before to get him to fit into the salary cap. Uh, he is the seventh best interior D lineman according to PFF. But do you? I mean, he's another one of those positions where you know you're so light on that position. If you let him go now, you have to bring in two or three. It becomes more and more difficult. Uh, to manage your draft. If you let any of these guys go, it becomes a major priority in your draft. You already have to go find another running back. Singletary did well, but you have Damian Pierce. He's not somebody that feels like it's going to be able to pick up this uh, running scheme that Bobby Slowick is running, so you may want to move off of him. Uh, your your offensive line could use more help. You've spent a ton of time, but due to injuries, uh, you spent some more draft picks on it last year, too. Uh, you may need to bring in somebody else on that. You know, your, their secondary we talked about earlier needs a lot of help as well. Your wide receiver core, we know that Tank Dell had a pretty good beginning of the season, but he's small. You can't count on him to be healthy a whole season. Nico Collins has a great year. You're going to have to pay him coming up, but do you need a third or fourth? And where's Mechie and how his development? Do you try and go out and get another wide receiver to help out this wide receiving core for the Texans? There's a lot of needs for them, and these are five free agents or six free agents that you feel uh, could really be important to the, the Texans' future, and we'll see. Keep, those are eyes to keep on. Jonathan Grenard, Blake Cashman, Dalton Schultz, Steven Nelson, and Sheldon Rankins for the Texans, that if they don't re-sign these guys, that leaves a big hole in their space, and they're going to have to go out and find somebody else and see if they can continue. This is a big season for the Texans, but a lot of people are saying, you know, you're playing on the last rank, you're playing the, the, the schedule of a team that was ranked last last season. You know, you, you can't count on this to not be a fluke season in your first year. You're in a division you can still play well in the AFC South, but you have to make some adjustments and make some moves if you're the Texans uh, to continue to build this roster around C.J. Stroud. And those are those are five names that you're going to want to be looking at. You can also throw in Kaimi Fairbairn. You're going to have to find your kicker. He was hurt during the season, and when he was out, it was obvious. 
Uh, he is also 30 years old, and uh, someone else they might look at it. But those first five guys, big names to look out for when you're watching the Texans offseason to see if they are guys that Texans will go spend the money. And if any of those guys give you a friendly enough deal to you know backload their contract a little bit, or if the Texans go ahead and try and front load some contracts a little bit more, uh, put some more signing bonus early so they have more room to sign a CJ Stroud in those, you know, in the next few years when his contract comes up, and a Nico Collins and a Derek Stingley, those names coming up. Where do you put in all those that you were doing that one to two year contracts that Casario was doing? Uh, I'm not sure if you could still pull off those one to two year contracts uh, as you improved way faster than you thought you would. Uh, so just an interesting look there for the Texans. Uh, we'll get back to that. We'll do it with the Cowboys as well coming up here in the next week or so. We'll get to the Cowboys and their notable free agents that they're going to have to make big decisions on uh, with their cap space. Cap story a little bit different for the Cowboys as well, so they'll have to make those decisions there. Uh, we'll also get back to the text line, 512-447-3776. Uh, how many more games will Texas basketball win this regular season with seven games left on the schedule, four road games against really good teams, three uh, home games against winnable games? Uh, winnable teams also who will be the most important addition to texas football this season read that article said isaiah bond there could be some other ones and uh what's your thoughts on the red river rivalry being a 2 30 game or an 11 a.m game what do you think on that lots to talk about we'll get to the text line when we come back uh maybe play some more hook them up as well when we come back here on the sports complex in the horn 1019 and 1260 the horn app and hornfm.com The Sports Complex of the Horn. Back in the Sports Complex on the Horn. On a Thursday afternoon, text lines open 512-447-3776. Appreciate everybody playing along as I played the same song by 12 different people this week. Oh, starting wrapping it up with James Brown. We're playing the same song all week uh, since the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. We'll give them that little treat, the same song over and over and over again, different versions. Uh, text lines open 512-447-3776. Uh, we'll get to it. Nate says they can lose to anyone talking about Texas basketball. They can. They can. It's the fetus attitude. It's what happens when, you know, your kid breaks up your Valentine's night, Nate. You get angry and you, you need a Snickers, man, and maybe something else, and you'll be a little bit happier. Uh, but man, Chan says uh, we don't match well with the Texas Tech guards in Kansas home court. Wow. Yeah, that's going to be a tough. It's a tough stretch, but that's where you want to see this team turn the corner which they did last season. We can say that last season we didn't think this team was going to be going, and then they beat Kansas here at Austin, and it turned the season around where they made that Elite Eight run. Uh, that's kind of where the weekend where you'd like to see them take that turn uh, is a week before they did it last year, but have that turn there in that weekend where you win one against Kansas or Texas Tech would be a big piece on the road. And did we know about Shedrick's back spasm issue uh, before allowing him to transfer to Texas? I think we knew. I don't think it was the biggest deal. We knew he had some injury histories. We knew he had the shoulder surgery. Uh, I don't think that would have kept him away uh, from transferring in because you just play him a few less minutes and you get him in there. Uh, I don't think he's taking a roster spot from anybody, really, that we were going to put bring in. So I think, you know, and we saw he won us some games early in the season as well. Uh, it's unfortunate that he's having those issues. 
uh, but you just kind of treat it as much as you can uh, and hope for the best. I don't know if there's any reason why you would still look at that and say, well, we're not going to take you. We'll just play Zerika Nyema a bunch more minutes. I don't know if that makes us a better team. Uh, Dexter says, fingers crossed, five games. And uh, also 2.30, time for more tailgating. Yeah, I'm going with that. I'm going with that. I like this one. Good pull on this one. Uh, Amari Nyblak is the biggest get this year, in my opinion. That is a big get with JT Sanders uh, being gone. Gunnar Helm's a good uh, tight end. There's some other guys in that room that are pretty good, but feel like getting another top tight end, a guy that could be you know, the top tight end taking the draft next year, could be the top tight end in college football next season uh, now that Brock Bowers is out. It does give you a little bit more belief that uh, – that that's a good I like I like that I like that because even if you have the great wide receivers that were waiting in line, uh, you didn't necessarily have the next super athletic uh, tight end to bring in. Uh, let's see. Texter says uh, thirty-two teams, and all I hear the Cowboys. When was the last Super Bowl again? I know that and move the move the game to AT and T Stadium so more fans can go. I don't like that. Keep it at the Cotton Bowl, and I get uh, or move the game to Austin or Norman. The fair can still go on. Maybe move Big Twelve rivalries there. College tradition died a long time ago. I I, I still keep it the Cotton Bowl. I get that. I get that it makes it so more people can go. But I I like that it's still there. I think it's fun that it's still there. Uh, I because the game is what you play on the field. But make it more exclusive for one game a year. Trying to make it a bigger event and make it you know I think that takes away because if you do that then it's a seven o'clock game and it takes everything out of it to where it's it's just Texas OU and I think when you do that you know the first year that Texas OU is you know, has a three-loss team, then that game doesn't matter anymore. Like, it just – and it does to Texas, but it just doesn't national scale. I think it takes something away from it. Uh, and Texas are the new team in Texas. Jerry needs to step aside. No more Jones running the Cowboys. I don't think he's stepping aside anytime soon. I can tell you that. Uh, let's see. Arbor Horn 81 says, anyone Horn Nation watched those games last year, especially the Washington game? We need a pass rush and a good steady safety play. Whoever can help out bolster either one of those two needs – whether it's uh, an incoming freshman or transfers, that's what I think will be the biggest addition to the 2024 Longhorns. Uh, if I have to name someone, I've never seen any of them play. I might be Colin Simmons, Trey Moore, Andrew McCuba, or Xavier Filsamy. Uh Let's hope they all contribute. I do. They do. I think they all contribute. And I get I get. I think the, the Amari Nyblack was a good call because you can say, well, they had that. And with Isaiah Bond, you go, well, they had it last year, but those guys are gone. Who's going to step up? So, yeah, I, I think that all of them are going to be big additions, but that's one of the reasons why we like the offseason so far for the uh, Longhorns. Uh, Texter says, got to keep it at 11 so the toothless Sooners don't get too drunk to drive back home. All right, I like it. I, I'll take it. I'll take I'll take the jokes. I'll take them for that. Uh, Texter says, it feels like the secondary could be special. Horns B-ball will win four because they better for a chance at for the tournament. Yeah, they better. Four is going to be hard. If you lose all four of those road games and three wins, you better have a really good uh, conference tournament. If you lose all the four road games, why are we going to believe you have a good conference tournament either? Uh, and that's you know doesn't doesn't end well for Texas. Hopefully they get at least one road win. Hopefully two uh, as they keep going. Uh, what would have been the go to song if the Niners had won? I would have played all music from San Francisco. There's just not as many bands from Kansas City, so we just played Kansas City over and over again. Uh, but I would have played bands from San Francisco if San Francisco had won. I was ready for both. There's a lot of good bands from San Francisco. We can say that. Uh, I'm going to play some sound from uh, Hook 'em Up from this morning, a replay from Hook 'em Up, uh, where they're talking about uh, some sounds. Uh, Rod found some sounds from NFL Films. It's a really good segment of, from the Super Bowl. Some good stuff. I'll play you that. We'll come back and get more from the text line, 512 447 3776. It's a Hook 'em Up replay here on the Sports Complex. 
All right, um, welcome back. It's time to get to Rod's rant of the day. Got a couple of clips that we're going to play from um, NFL Films, actually, uh, to continue um, putting a bow on the NFL season. But NFL Films does a great job. They keep releasing the audio foot, the audio and the footage, if you will, of the Super Bowl and different snippets from it, and kind of kind of taking you back through the uh, through the experience. And the latest audio that I want to get to uh, is from inside the NFL uh, when the uh, coin toss and the overtime period um, went down. And, of course, after that, the controversial decision uh, by Kyle Shanahan to take the ball for the 49ers and then the reaction by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think it's pretty good. And also we got some sound from Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey uh, during their podcast, and they're discussing uh, the moment that the San Francisco 49ers decided to accept the ball in overtime. Um, a lot of people believe that was a miscalculation uh, by my boy Shano. And then I also want to get to some sound from NFL Films for the, from that third and four, uh, that, that crucial third and fourth, the two-minute mark uh, in the fourth quarter, that also really, really important series could decide the game for the 49ers if they had converted that. Uh, I don't know if Patrick Mahomes ever even sees the field again and the 49ers get their uh, their Super Bowl championship. All right, so let's get to the first clip here. Now, the first clip is from uh, inside the NFL. This was after – this is the coin toss for overtime and then the miscalculation after the 49ers and Shano decide to take the football. Here's the audio. You go with the toss? Yeah. Which way you want to kick it? They call it. They call it, right? Yeah, they call the coin flip. It's their coin flip, right? Which way do you want to kick it? We want the ball, Fred. San Francisco, you are still the visitors. What is your call? Tails again. He called tails again. It is tails. Overseed. You want the ball? Which way do you want to kick? We're going to kick that way. San Francisco received first and overtime. Good luck, gentlemen. They want it. They want the ball. They wanted it. Hey, they want it. They wanted it, baby. We want them to have the ball. <laughs> they want it, they can have it. Hey, even if we score a touchdown, they still get the ball. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's Kyle Juice Check. I heard that. Jay, you said something about Patrick Mahomes. All right, there you go. That was um, that was actually Juice checking in, saying, oh, "You know, even if we score, they still get the ball back again." <laughs> uh, so, and, and everybody, the reactions were by usually by Patrick Mahomes, and then it was uh, Travis Kelsey saying, "They want it. We want them to have it." Uh, so it, they were giddy about it, and I think that's the uh, first miscalculation that Kansas City got exactly what they wanted and what they had planned for, which was the 49ers taking the football in that situation with the new overtime rules. Now, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey did their podcast. I don't know when they recorded this. They've been really busy. Uh, they recorded one of their uh, podcasts post-Super Bowl, and they also had a reaction, uh, or at least gave their reaction, to the 49ers deciding to take the football. Here is uh, Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey on their podcast giving their reaction to the moment. Possession. You win the coin toss. That's that's what you get. You get the opportunity to have the advantage, and they handed it right over to us. Yeah. Well, Damn I mean, it, it, thing. not trying to harp, harp on the guy, but it was a huge. Like when they said we want to receive, and the ref looked at Fred and he said, "Are you sure?" 
Yeah. <laughs> you sure you want to receive? Knew. And he said, yeah. I was, yeah, I want to receive. I want the ball. I was, I was texting. Just like, I, got, I jumped out of my seat and said, hey, hey, here we go. Here we go. Let's go, boys. Perfect. They want to receive. We get second possession. We know exactly what they want. Defense, hold them. Just hold them to three. I don't like just hold him to three. We're going to go down here and win this thing, baby. Freaking crazy. Really was. I was texting Nick in the before that even happened because we go over the same situation in playoff football. Wow. Yeah. He said it. Nick, Nick Sirianni is who he's referring to. And Nick, I was texting Nick because we go over the same situations. So, yeah, I mean, Kansas City Chiefs, it's pretty obvious they're on the field at the time. And then Travis Kelsey telling you in retrospect, they got exactly what they wanted, uh, which was to get the ball second. Um, and then having the opportunity to go win the game, um, depending on what the 49ers did. And they only got three. Man, brutal. That is brutal. That's brutal. So even if – I mean, I know – and I'm, so we're past the point of whether, whether they knew the rules or not. That's not even the point. The point is, let's assume they all did know the rules. They still wanted the ball because they wanted to get the ball third. That's what their analytics department told them. But as we know now, and Patrick Mahomes has reiterated, he actually had an interview from Disneyland World, wherever he went, uh, that he said, oh, yeah, we were going to go for two. Andy Reid doesn't like me to keep saying this, but we were going to go for two anyway after he scored a touchdown. So if they scored a touchdown, they weren't getting the ball back. They yeah, and that's what uh, – I mean, that's obviously – we heard right immediately after Chris Jones after the game, right in the post game, talking about yeah, man, we went over this all all every week, every day during practice. We talked about this. If we got to overtime, all the way back to training camp. So the the Chiefs, you could tell, were excited because they they had a plan. I mean, oh, yeah. we we our fifteen gets the ball last. Yep, yep. That's how they want it. <laughs> yeah, uh, which which means you know if if they were planning to go for two. They already had a play, a money play, ready to go. I mean, that corn dog ready to go for the game winner. Game winner. <laughs> you know Andy Reid had something dialed up that was going to be the play to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, that was a miscalculation by, by Kyle Shanahan. And, again, he can talk about analytics, and that's where, what our analytics told us and whatnot. But still, as I said, every team moving forward, even in this playoffs, you should have realized the mission, number one, is to not let him have the ball last. Exactly. However we can control that at the end of a game, yep. we, he can't have the ball last. Keep away is your number one priority. He's just too keep, good. Just keep the ball away from him. Yeah. He doesn't get the ball back, we win. Period. That's yes. how we win. We, he just doesn't need to see the ball again. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, obviously the NFL films, That's uh, it's going to haunt my man Shannon. Okay, so we got another piece of audio here that I think is pretty good. So the third and four, remember the third and four, the two-minute mark? And that, there are some people that believe this may have been the most important sequence of the game. Um, and I, I think Brock Purdy let him down on this because there was a wide open hot route, hot, wide open hot read after Trent McDuffie blitzes. But Brock Purdy doesn't see him, throws to the outside receiver on the double slant, and we know uh, that ended up being incomplete. Uh, but this piece of audio is also from NFL Films. And I just love the reaction by everybody, including myself. Remember I said at the time, all right, so this must be the money play. This is the play that Shano's got dialed up that he knows going to work. He went deep into his creative bag for it. Listen to everybody's reaction about how crucial and pivotal this third and four moment was. We get a first down, we knock a lot of time off this clock. The biggest play in the game right here. Your best play that you have in your book right now. Because you don't want to give Mahomes the ball back. Uh, all right, hey, man, we got can't, no sacks, obviously. Hey, alert the pressure. We cannot take a set. Purdy looking left. Ball got tipped right out of his hand. McDuffie pressure. Nobody blocked him. Biggest snap of the game. 
You know Spags is going to have his best play dialed up, and so is Shanahan. And look at this. They get a free runner pressure. They got about 10 of them this game. <laughs> they got more than anybody in the league, and this guy's been central. McDuffie has been great in these situations. And if you're at the end, that's Shano saying, give it to Christian McCaffrey, because I think he believes the hot route, the best route is Christian McCaffrey. I thought the best hot route was Brandon Ayuk, who came right off the line of scrimmage after Trent McDuffie blitzed, and he came off the line of scrimmage with his hands up in the air like, hey, just throw the simple slant to me, and I'll be wide open. Shano was yelling for him to throw it to Christian McCaffrey, who also beat his DB too, but I don't know if Brock Purdy was looking at that. So actually with two routes, there were open hot routes that Brock Purdy could have went to. He went to the one that wasn't a hot route on the outside uh, and then ended up being a, a tip pass and incompletion anyway. And if you, uh, if you remember early on in that clip, the, the ones who sang, all right, Shannon's got to have his best play, those are the officials. Yes. The officials were sitting there saying, all right, he's got to have his best play. Whatever Shano's don't got. Don't want to get the go. ball back to Mahomes. Yeah, they yes, do. He, yeah that, was, that was the official saying, you don't want to get the ball back to Mahomes. Even the officials knew, like, nah, man, you can't get the ball back to that dude. And, well, we all know how it ended. He gave the ball back to that dude. And the rest is history. That dude. Uh, yeah, so NFL films. I love NFL films. It's Me great. too. I mean, that's, that's so good. It's the stuff behind the scenes there. But I think we were all thinking the same thing. They, the, the 49ers needed a money play. And even the guy at the announcer said, all right, the Shano's best play versus the number one play that Spags got dialed up. I think Spags got the best of them. Spags, the one he dialed up, the cornerback blitz, the uh, slot blitz there, ended up working perfectly. But there, there was an opportunity to make the adjustment, and I just think Brock Purdy missed the hot route. He missed two. Yeah. Missed two hot reads on that one play. Shannon had one built in, and the other one was Brandon Ayuk. The player adjusted hot route. Brock Purdy hit either one of them. Gosh, that's, that's football. That's the game. That's the game. Uh, <laughs> that's the and, game. You know, by the way, I, I did heat read, and I think it was uh, – one of the one of the NFL insider was talking about a conversation he had with Steve Spagnuolo, and you went through when your Rod's rant uh, one of the days this week talking about all the the blitz packages and the man oh. covers they went to. Oh man! And uh, he was talking about how look credit to to Brock Purdy, we came out and played a lot of zone early, but he was shredding, he was getting after us. That's when we shifted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spagnuolo was talking about how that okay, we he yep. forced us to shift, yep. and we just went to man, and we as you said, went a lot of zero blitzes, a lot of man coverage, tried to, uh, and you know he didn't react to it very well. He was he was he, he was. Spags was very complimentary about how he handled their zones and their zone looks, but um, that's why they shifted. But at the same time, those were throws you got to make. And, uh, you know, maybe in future years for Brock Purdy, he will. But, uh, man, that was – yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was amazing uh, game plan by Spag. They probably should put that game plan in the Hall of Fame, too. I mean, that's a great – because he ran 60% man coverage, guys. That was the highest rate of man coverage since Spags has been a defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Talk about breaking tendency. There was there was nothing on the record that would say he would ever go above fifty two percent man coverage rate. That was the highest man coverage rate he had he had run prior to that Super Bowl, and he went to sixty percent. He was extreme and excessive, and it worked. It did work, and it did work. And that play was massive. Gosh, oh, dang. it was huge. Man. They, uh, they, they. I think they win the Super Bowl. If, yeah, uh, if he converts if he it. Converts. And obviously, a lot of people pointed out the missed extra point. That too was a critical play. There yeah, was you a know what? You're off, you know what? You fired your your DC. You need to fire your special, special teams coach. Think about the special teams. You had a Peter call that nobody uh, was adhering to, and that's why you had the ball that hit uh, one of your, uh, your your punt coverage guys ended up hitting them in the back of the leg was because 
there's a Peter call. For those who know, a Peter call is when you yell a certain call um, and everybody vacates that area because they do not want the ball to hit them unintentionally. So Peter call, either not observed or not utilized, and then you have the blocked extra point, which could end up being the play of the game. Your special teams was terrible. Yeah. Uh, and cost you big time, it cost you. Uh, huge. Uh, yeah. Set up the first touchdown when you were doing a great job defensively, and then, you know, the missed extra point was was. Yes, good stuff there from Hook 'em Up with Ian Robbie weekday morning six to eleven right here on the Horn. All right, take our last break. We'll come back. We'll get to whatever texts are left five one two four four seven three seven seven six. If you have a guess on or a a prediction on the number of games Texas will win. In the rest of the season for Texas basketball, seven games left, four road games against really good opponents, three home games that are winnable. What they could do there, if we know we talked earlier about what the importance of those games are. If you have that prediction, send that one in. And uh, if you have, uh, if you think or there's an article today said Isaiah Bond was the most important addition to Texas football this offseason, if you think that's true or if you think there's somebody else, we'd love to hear from you about that. And your thoughts on Texas OU moving to 230. I've heard some outrage about it. Let me know what you think about it moving to 230 on the text line 512-447-3776. We'll take our break, last break. We'll come back and wrap it up here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 AM 1260 the Horn app and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex weekday afternoons on the Horn. All right, wrapping things up here on a Thursday afternoon. Appreciate uh, everybody playing along in the text line. We'll be back to wrap up the whole week next tomorrow uh, on a Friday show. Appreciate you, Chan, as well, saying IT hasn't panned out either. No, he's not. No, he's not. There's some things to worry about for Texas, but I'm I'm holding out hope. We'll see what they can do uh, coming up uh, Saturday and Monday. We'll get more into that game on Saturday against Houston and what Texas needs to do to win that. We'll get more, maybe talk some more Texas baseball as we start the season. I'm not hugely into texas baseball and i've read too much about it this was into football uh but we'll try and start getting into that together how about that and of course all-star weekend comes up this weekend so we'll get into all of that we come back here tomorrow until then be kind be safe keep your underwear clean we'll see you right back here for more sports complex